welcome to I'm a Sophisticate and So Can You. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony. And I'm another of your hosts, Sydney. So today we're talking about our third book. Books. Books. Sometimes we do them. Yeah. And this book is an author that we both know. Yeah. And both like. Yeah. But a book that we have not covered yet. We're doing Mrs. Dalloway by Virginia Woolf. Yeah. I am cautiously looking forward to this one. Yeah, me too. I was shocked to like Virginia Woolf. I did not me too. think that I would because things are old. Yeah. And I don't know. Whenever people talk about Virginia Woolf, it's like... <laughs> and I, Okay, I will say this is my concern about Mrs. Dalloway is that I feel like it's going to be mopey. Mm. I feel like it's going to be morose. But I also feel like that is just, that's what they want you to think about Virginia Woolf. Yeah. And you'd think that I would have overcome that by reading another of her books, but I I haven't. I'm concerned that that Orlando was special and that this one is going to be the way that I'm afraid. Yeah. And I mean, Orlando's reputation, and I'm speaking solely from reputation because Orlando's not the book that I read. I read To the Lighthouse, which I think is, I wouldn't call it morose, but I would call it somber. Okay. Because it, it is, a, but it is a little bit like about lost time and like growing sure. up, but it, it, and it's somber in like that way of uh-huh. like nostalgia, but not in like a heartrending, unearned mopiness. It's just like, oh, this used to be really nice and now it just doesn't feel the same. Sure. You know, like that's yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of the vibe. And yeah. I, I felt like that was great when I read it. Okay. Yeah. No, I mean, and that is the kind of thing that it's like, once I'm reading it, like when it's well done, which I'm confident it will be because mm-hmm. that's like kind of her whole thing is that she's good at writing yeah <laughs> once i'm in it then i'm like yes I, I i want this it's just hard to want it to want to enter it yeah i mean we'll see i was shocked by how playful orlando was mm-hmm. there was a lot of wonderment <laughs> and like imagination and like whimsy almost Mm-hmm. And I I had not anticipated that and I really enjoyed it. But it still is really, there's also a lot of like emotional depth. Yeah. But that's, I, I like my emotional depth delivered with a little bit of whimsy and playfulness. So do I. It's why I read a lot of genre fiction. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like when that's good, that's where you can find it. That's why I thought I wasn't going to like Evanescence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is going to be released after yeah, our Evanescence then, episode. By then you'll, you'll, you'll know. know. <laughs> yeah, you'll know. If you haven't listened to the Evanescence episode, go back and listen to them because I'm sure they're a trip. So my only other reason to think anything about this book is the film The Hours. Oh, yeah. Have you ever seen that movie? I have not. Okay. So it's also kind of, it's like pretty gloomy. Mm-hmm. It's pretty gloomy. And one of the stories is Mrs. Dalloway. Yeah. And one of the stories. one of the stories is Virginia Woolf. Yeah. And it's Nicole Kidman with a prosthetic nose. Yes. That's what I remember. Yes. Which is famous. And also it's one of the times that people were like, hey, whoa, Nicole Kidman is like pretty good at acting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, yes. Sidebar. Should Eyes Wide Shut be on our list? Oh, fuck me. Yeah, probably. Like, speaking of Nicole Kidman being good at acting. Yeah. As far as, like, things people reference and I pretend to know what it means, absolutely. And, okay, no, I'm coming around to it. My first instinct was, like, I don't want to watch that bullshit, but I I do want to watch Nicole Kidman do basically anything because Mm -hmm. Nicole Kidman is great at acting. And I don't know why every time she gets nominated for something, the whole world is like, oh, say say what? Yeah. Like, hey, Nicole Kidman, when did you get good at acting? Like, 30 years ago. (laughs) Yeah, like, why does everyone keep forgetting? Something's happening. Yeah. Something's happening. Something is in the water. Yeah. So there's just something about her that is like, not me. I have a handle on it. Right. But there's something about her that makes like many viewers, like while it's happening, they're like, ah, yes, skilled performer, mm-hmm. Nicole Kidman. And then as soon as it's over, it's like immediately starts to fade. And then by the time she's good at it again, everybody's like, say what? I vaguely remember the film and it's gloomy. And so I'm. that's another reason that I have concerns that the book will be gloomy will be gloomy i think also part of the reason that we're picking at least part of the reason that i wanted to do this one next is in addition to being a well-known book that we haven't read it's also short sure yeah it's like 220 pages great so even if it is gloomy or dour or anything like that we don't have to sit with it for that long yeah which is great because the last book we did Midnight's Children, y'all listeners might remember, is like 550 pages. It's lengthy and verbose. Yeah. I'm 100% confident that this is going to be prose like butter all day long. Yeah. One of the reasons that I pitched it was because I originally pitched Ulysses and you were like, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, fair. 
Fair. What about Mrs. Dalloway? Because they are both books that take place in a major city in the British Isles over the course of one day. Huh. Like, that's fun trivia. Yeah. Similar vibe, but like a quarter of the length. That's fun to me because Orlando, well, I don't know. I guess it's a spoiler for me to tell you how long Orlando takes. I know it takes like 400 years. Yeah. So that's a contrast. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm kind of excited to see how the book relates to the three sections of the film as I remember them. After I said that it was gloomy and like basically insinuated that it was points against this book, I remembered that Tony Collette is there and there's like a, ugh, I remembered some stuff about the movie that's good. <laughs> they like flood a motel room and it's like mm. really, um, it works. The only thing I know about the hours other than the prosthetic nose is the joke they make about it on 30 Rock. Tina Fey and Dennis Duffy, their meet cute is being at a movie theater and yelling at the same time, they should call this film The Weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I recall at the time really respecting the movie and the acting in it. And there weren't a lot of movies, like it's very Bechdel test. Mm -hmm. Like there weren't a lot of movies that were like, there's four women on the poster and Ed Harris. Yeah. That wasn't common at the time. And I felt like cool, cool, cool for me. And then I remember someone at my school, don't remember which school because I don't remember what year the movie came out, but someone called it a chick flick. And I was like, what? No, a chick flick. No, first of all, now from a modern perspective, like, fuck you, what is that word? Right. But even at the time it was like, no, 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 no. A chick flick is like the movie where Drew Barrymore goes back to high school and wears feathers. Never been kissed? Yes. Mm -hmm. Which also, what fun. Yeah. <laughs> no shame to never been kissed. Mm -hmm. Or obviously Drew Barrymore. Right. <laughs> um, but like that, I believe it is fair to describe as a chick flick. Um, and just simply something like, I just remember really taking, like being affronted by someone calling something a chick flick just because it centers women. Right. I was like, what do you even, and repeated it to my dad in a, um, you know, a, a, a righteous feminist rage. Mm -hmm. And he was like, well, if you consider that movies marketed towards men are more likely to center action and movies marketed towards women are more likely to center emotion and that many men are can't handle that <laughs> many men are uninterested mm -hmm. in films that center emotion or i think he even said something more condescending like many men can't keep up with a film that's built around emotional relationships changing then i suppose the hours would have to be a chick flick oh <laughs> uh, that's just a fun story from yeah. my home for you yeah evan painter's opinions on movies are wild <laughs> yeah <laughs> Your dad I, is a very smart man. I like that. I yeah. like that take, though. No, I, I do. I do. It's just like the way, just his way of looking at the world sometimes is just like, just so endlessly fascinating to me. And I mean uh, sure, that yeah. as a compliment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's a fun way to grow up. Yeah. So this book, Mrs. Dalloway. Yeah, okay. So not this movie that is not on our envelope anywhere. <laughs> no, no. So this book, a lot. Of, I'm expecting a lot of economy of prose. I'm expecting it to be a more- Economy, but also just like cleverness. Yeah. Just like good. Like I feel like in Orlando, there was, it was like every page, there was something that I was like, I wish there was someone in the room with me right now to just like say this out loud too, because it's like just such a nice combination of words. Yeah, and I feel like she's just really good at just saying something really concisely that illustrates the point really well. Yeah. Which I think is similar to what you're saying of just like, yeah, that's a great way to put it. Like, yeah. that's that's an excellent and it's way to like, put it. It's like expressive of complexity and paradox without being overly winky winky, which is uh, something I struggle with. Yeah. Excessive winky winks. Yeah, she's, at least from my limited exposure to her from To the Lighthouse, she's just really... Good at writing stuff. Yes, good at writing stuff. I, and I know writing, that sounds like nothing, but pretty like, good at true. writing stuff. No, but it's... I think we forget because we get... Let's assume that we're not caught in the swirl of misogyny that's like, oh, that's just the one famous woman author that like, like token. Let's, let's assume mm -hmm. that we're past that. I think it's still really easy to get caught up in like the tragedy and the like... 
the story around the story. What, what was England doing? And, <laughs> you know, psychiatric treatment, especially of women at the time. Like, it's very easy to just, like, live in that. Like, when you say Virginia Woolf to me, I think of all that right. first before the writing. And that's wrong of all right. of us. Like the Sylvia Plath of it all. Yes. Another example. Like, she's a very skilled technical writer. Yeah. And that is not something that all published authors are. Yes. Like, even popular ones, even ones no, that No, are... I don't like old books, and I loved Orlando. So I, I would venture to say that she is better <laughs> than mm-hmm. a lot of, at least to a modern eye, it's held up. Yeah. Better to me than a, a lot of her contemporary, her male contemporaries. Yeah. And I'm interested to see if Mrs. Dalloway is similar. Yeah. Because it, it probably is her... will be. Everybody yeah. loves it. It's going to be great. It's yeah. going to be great. Listen, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. We're going to have a great time. Yeah, I hope so. All right. Well, we'll jump into the future and we'll let you know what we think. up with a lack of parental supervision? Do you know all the lyrics to The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? Remember Mayor McCheese and the Fry Guys? Have an inexplicable love for the California Raisins? Can you remember Madonna's original face? Then you might be a part of the Doom Generation. Laugh until you cry with us each week as we stumble blindly through the memories of the movies and other random things that doomed us to be the salty, sarcastic, sardonic ladies you want to hang with. You know us. You love us. You can't f***ing live without us. Doom Generation. Available everywhere you find podcasts. Hey. Yes, I understood immediately that that's where we were. I wish this was a bit. I I know you guys are are probably, it's not a funny joke anymore, but it's not a joke. It's my real life. I don't know how the podcast works. Okay, so it's the future. We read Mrs. Dalloway, and as we were reading it, I was like, I think that we need to actually watch the hours. Yeah, we had been talking about it, and we thought it was going to be worthwhile i just like i hadn't seen it since it came out when i was a kid but like reading the book i was like oh this has so much more to do like that movie was pulled from this so much more than just like some of the names like i knew it was like inspired but like to do with but i didn't realize like how much how much they had sort of like re constituted yeah it was very much in conversation like yeah like sort of melted down and then like re spun yes we'll get there yeah do you want to count us in on mrs dalloway oh sure okay one two three fantastic oh okay wow okay yeah great so glad you felt that way yeah i mean it took me a while to read it and so i read it in chunks that were a little too small but every time i picked it up after like 10 minutes i was like god Damn it, Virginia Woolf. You are really good at what you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, she you really are... is pretty talented. <laughs> yeah, like I love that she made a career out of being a mad genius at a yes, time when that absolutely. wasn't really allowed for women. Right, and like the sort of image of her, it's like almost too, she's like too bad, too genius. <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah. Like I feel like the image of her is like almost cartoonish and like comes to eclipse like the fact this all this mythology only happened because she was incredible at writing. Yes. And also very, very plagued by demons. Yes. Um, Something that at now we would probably call bipolar disorder, but it's really hard to sort of do yeah, that retroactively. Who, yeah, who the fuck knows? It sounds like she had a like a terrible time. Yeah. <laughs> like her childhood really was like really not good. Yeah. And also her adulthood. (laughs) Yeah. And as portrayed in the hours, it seemed like she had people in her life who really cared about her, but she just like had so much going on just all the time. Haunted. Yeah. With like a capital G going on. Yes. Yes. The movie does make it seem that. And I mean, it's it's hard to say you know like i i I didn't know her i don't know Mm -hmm. anyone who knew her but like it does seem a lot of busy very busy very Mm -hmm. very busy in Mm -hmm. between her ears all the time yes and that is okay so let's talk about the book (laughs) a little bit that we read yeah her at least partial self-insert clarissa dalloway that's not who i was gonna say oh you were gonna say septimus smith i was oh interesting I think that is her. I mean, we have the power of the future to be like, 
I know that you killed yourself. Yes. Virginia Woolf. Yes. <laughs> so if you're going to write a character that does that, I'm going to associate him with you. Right. And he also has a, a lot of sort of fantastical musings and will in one instance see something really clearly and then suddenly feel very despondent. It just felt too like fleshed out to yeah. be an observation. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And before we get too far into analyzing the different characters, I feel like just to set the scene for our readers a little bit. Sure. The plot of Mrs. Dalloway is actually pretty straightforward. Yeah. It all takes place in one day in London. Main character Clarissa Dalloway is planning a party. And so most of the day is going through like her daily errands and interactions with people as she plans and then hosts this party. But we also... And gets distracted from that and interrupted by other things. Exactly. And we follow some of the strings of those interruptions. We follow some other characters who like dip in and out of her life. And a couple we people we meet is like, you know, her friends from childhood who are coming back after years. And then there is also this person who is not really related to her. This person, Septimus Smith. There, well, there's a, a there's a few people. He he gets the most words, mm-hmm. but there are a few people who are just like also at the park. It's very filmic in that way, which mm-hmm. I think is interesting. Yes, for when it was written, which is the twenties. 1925. So like if you were to imagine either a long shot or the illusion of one following someone through a busy street and then into the park and then we're like hearing all their thoughts and then just because their paths happen to cross or because their attention is drawn by the same outside thing, our focus as the audience hops onto someone else and we now know some of like what's going on with them and their inner thoughts. And there's like, there's like a bunch of those that get like a couple pages each. Yeah. But Septimus Smith gets like a whole, like he comes back a few times. He yeah. Gets like Septimus a whole, and like, his wife. Thread. Yeah. Oh it, yeah. The wife gets a lot. It's very, too. the way you describe Which, it. If I am thinking of him as her self insert, that's like very kind of her, I think to give the wife that much. She's like really thinking about like how it affects the people around her. Yeah. To be insane. Yeah. I mean, well, taking, okay, I know that her representation by Nicole Kidman in The Hours is not fact. Sure. (laughs) But it does feel like that representation of her also takes that view of, like, she knows that she's a challenging patient. Yes. (laughs) And And she also knows that people are doing things for her because they care about her. Yes. And she appreciates that. Yes. But she doesn't always want that. Yes. You know, I don't know. I think that's an important problem to write about is that sometimes everybody wanting something to be fixed doesn't fix it. Yeah. It sounds so obvious, but like, I don't, I don't think we think about things that way, especially mental health. It's like, well, if you eliminate a lot of stressors and the people around you are rooting for you (laughs) then why then why are you still this way it's like well because brains are too complicated yeah what i liked about her writing and what i feel like i always like about virginia wolf and the other stuff of hers that i've read is i feel like even when the characters don't have the presence of mind to understand that they're doing the thing where they're like, oh, well, if things were different, they'd be different. Yeah. You always know that Virginia Woolf, as she's writing it, is doing this very deliberately. Yes. Because it's like, and then he continuing to muse as if he did not understand that thinking such ways would not change things. Yes. Continued in this vein for another 30 minutes. Compared to, say, Anna Karenin and I book that I have gone on record saying that I hate. (laughs) And one of the reasons that I don't like it is because I felt like the authorial self-insert had all of these problematic qualities that I felt were just reported to me with no real reflection on whether or not that was, like, okay. Yeah. And a lot of his qualities were not, like, toxic, just deeply irritating. Yes, well, okay, but so this is why I don't like books by men, because I feel like so many books by men are just long excuses for mm-hmm. why the real men are the way they are. Yeah. Like, long non-apologies, just one big long, like, well, if you felt that way. Mm-hmm. Not even sorry you felt, but, like, someone might feel that way, but that's really nothing to do with me. Right. No regrets. Yeah. Yes, I know what you're talking about. Whereas in this book, it's like, 
And he mused this way as the clock struck three and time continued to pass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and it's not like you shouldn't think and that you shouldn't do these things. You shouldn't ruminate on these different themes because she's got a lot going on. Yeah. This book is not long, but a lot it, happens underneath the surface. Yes, it's not long and it's like the gimmick of it or whatever. It would appear to be superficial. And there is some kind of like discussion of party planning. Like, is that a worthy skill? <laughs> right, exactly. Are parties stupid mm-hmm. or a good investment of resources? There's mm-hmm. like, there's some talk about that. But also just the idea of like, all in one day, a woman's day doing woman stuff on the day of a party, all of that could really seem frivolous, could really bring to mind frivolity. Mm-hmm. But it's it's not. It's heavy. <laughs> it is. It's <Yeah>. dense. <laughs> also, a lot of the book is flashbacks. Yes, that's true. There's a lot of people remembering things. So it mm-hmm. kind of cheats. It's like, oh, one day, but like, not really. Yeah. And it's like, oh, she did this thing that reminded me of this time when we were 20 and we were at you know, her family home in the country. And then it sort of spins out from there. And it always feels, there are some times where she will go down a rabbit hole and just like start doing this like very detailed passage of like everything that's happening around Big Ben as like the clock strikes one. Yeah, there is a lot of just sort of like London porn. Yeah, but I'm fine with it because it really... Like, if you're going to have just one day, you want it to be very specific to a time and place. Yeah. And so it wasn't just like, here's London in the 1920s. It was like, here's this neighborhood in London on this day at 1 p.m. in 1925. Yeah. She finds reasons for, like, a few different people to have opinions about the royal family. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Which is always fun. Yeah. But, oh, what I was going to say is... Unlike Midnight's Children, where sometimes he would go through these passages and you're like, something is happening here. Something, he's going for something, and I don't understand what it is. Sure. I don't know if it's just better cultural context or just clearer communication of multiple layers, Mm -hmm. but it was like, something is going on here, and even if I'm not picking up on all of it... She'll hold my hand through what I need to Yeah, know. yeah, yeah, yeah. There were times when reading Midnight's Children where I was like, I don't know that this is going to come up again. I don't know if I should be paying attention to this. Yeah. Whereas I felt like reading this was yeah, just like, Midnight's just let Children... it wash over you. I will remind you yes. when it comes up again. Yeah, Midnight's Children, I just like literally couldn't. It just was entirely too much. And so I was like, I, I did that. I was like... If it's important, he'll tell me again. And he didn't always. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, this book was very like, I, f- I felt really like my experience as the reader had been considered. I felt very well taken mm-hmm. care of. I'm really becoming a big fan of hers. I just think she's like really got, got something special. It's like so smart and so, so many feelings. Yeah. Like who who is that sharp? And also that like socially sharp. I just feel like she like gets people at so many layers and then also can communicate it so well and then can also like put it into a thing that's like an interesting idea besides being well done. How often do you get all those things? Yeah. How often do you get something that's that's a good idea that's well done that understands its subjects? Not often. I don't, like, yeah, Yeah. not often. And, like, this book isn't a huge time commitment. It is a bit of a mental commitment. Like, I tried starting it when we both had COVID, and that was tough. Sure, sure. Because I was in the midst of COVID brain fog, and I was like, uh, uh uh-oh. Yeah. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Yeah. I read it slowly, but not for lack of enjoyment. I just Yeah, you do have to kind of really pay attention, but also, like, like I found it engrossing while it was open and something to your earlier point about how focused and just like supremely interested virginia wolf is in her subjects yeah that's one of the things i really liked about watching the hours is i feel like that was very clearly communicated when we saw nicole kidman yes as virginia wolf so infrequently do not only women get to play people who are like disturbed misunderstood geniuses but she got to play someone who not only was in some way 
emotionally unsettled at all times, someone who is clearly so smart, but also someone who is always trying so hard to be in the moment and sometimes succeeding yeah. and sometimes failing. Yeah, that's a great performance. I it, believe it she won an Oscar. I think she did. Yeah, I know she has one. I think it's for that. Yeah. Which I'm just realizing means she beat Meryl Streep for an Oscar because Meryl Streep's also right there in the movie. Could have given it to her. That's true. <laughs> I, I mean, Nicole Kidman is the best part of the movie. Yeah, I'm partial Jeff to Tony Collette. <laughs> well, yes. Uh, Tony Collette does a great job. Tony Collette gets to just waft in for one scene. And just be, slay. Be and brilliant then and then leave again. Yeah. It's rare that a woman gets to play a part like Virginia Woolf in The Hours. Yes. And I so appreciated that the opportunity was there. And I really loved what Nicole Kidman did with it. And... It felt very congruous with the image that I had in my head of Virginia Woolf after reading this. Yes. Like when she comes downstairs and she's like, I think I have a first sentence. Yeah. And then she goes upstairs and you see she's already like surrounded by paper. Yes. But it's not the stereotypical like throwing things away. Like all of that you get the feeling is like in here in her head. And then she's yeah. just like. Mrs. Dalloway decided that she would buy the flowers herself. Yeah. And then she just like starts writing longhand. She has a typewriter. Fuck it. No, she, yeah. Oh, I remembered why I was going down this road. Yes. Contrast that with Ed Harris in The Hours. Okay. Who is playing the same kind of person. Sure. And he is just so misanthropic. And sure. he just like cannot function. Just yeah. fully can't function, relies on Meryl Streep to do everything she will do it. And they have all these conversations with other characters come in about like, well, we do these things because it's richer. Yes, like yes, he's, he's we just so, need to take care of he's him. He's so magical. Yeah. And it's like, really? Because he seems like an asshole. Yeah. It would have worked better had we not seen like someone who was trying really hard to fit in and mostly failing, but continuing to try. Yeah. With Virginia Woolf. People still liked her and you understood why people liked her but i did not understand at any yeah, point why people would be unwilling to sort of give up on her right exactly like i get it she has charm yeah it's a strange charm but it, she has charm whereas ed harris and is like people just want dick. she has something that like people want i mean people want to be close to genius even uh -huh. if it's in a tricky package people like that it yeah. feels like you almost have it Mm -hmm. I don't know if I felt as strongly as I I felt like I understood. I also really like Ed Harris. I know. Oh, I've, he does a great I, job. I generally, I'm generally so sexist mm -hmm. that this feels like a little bit of a reversal, but um, he does a great job. I, I felt, I felt like I got it. He's pretty, he's, he's pretty sick when we meet him. That's true. He is like a lot of characters in movies from the nineties and early two thousands. Ed Harris is playing a like misanthropic middle-aged gay man in New York with HIV. Bisexual man. That's true. Let's honor Meryl Streep's account of the past. That's true. Yes, 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 yes. You were going to say, and yet he's shredded. <laughs> yes, yes, that's true. And yet he is shredded. Yeah. Also, you can tell the first shot of him is in a dingy New York apartment, and he is wearing basically just a bathrobe and a beanie. And I was like, ah, a beanie in a 90s movie. He either oh, has he cancer has AIDS. or AIDS. Yeah. I, okay, so I was thinking about it. So after it, one of... You or Ari expressed surprise that he was dying of AIDS so late in the game. <laughs> that was Ari, yeah. Yeah, okay. And we defended it and we were like, no, no, no. Like, people still died of AIDS mm -hmm. in the 2000s. Like, maybe they had it for a while or, you know, maybe they were fucking unlucky. I don't know. Yeah. But I was thinking about it further and I was like, I also think there's an element of like Hollywood just like was processing it late. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know how for a while there weren't cell phones in movies, even though there were cell phones in real life? Because yes. like all the movie, all the scripts that had written, been written didn't hadn't thought about that yet. So they yeah. like ruined every story to have cell phones. And now all stories have cell phones and it's fine because we've all adjusted. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's like that. I feel like the actual AIDS crisis was so shattering that like there were portrayals of it happening at the time. But like, I think people still like were like writing it into things in the 2000s as if it were still 1995, yeah, uh, peak, yeah, or 1990 or 1988, mm -hmm. like, yeah. like really the you know the crest of yes. the wave because they still felt that way, you know what right. I mean? Because they and they felt like it had it because they still just felt like it hadn't been said enough. And it's also like pre 9/11. The AIDS crisis was that's, like yeah, the I, defining tragedy of the end of the 20th century in, yes. the, in the United States. Yeah. 
Is it pre-9-11? What year is this movie made? This movie was made and came out in 2001. But yes, um, Ed Harris is shredded. This movie yes, is, oddly I shredded, think, but good at acting. Yes, good at acting. I mean, everyone in this movie is a great actor. No, this I cast see what, is fucking I see what, stacked. I, yes, it is. It, yes, when Tony Collette, <laughs> well, although she was no, she was not much. She was not very famous then. Right, 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 right. But like, if that's your like C team, yeah, that's like mm-hmm. good for you, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nicole Kidman, Julian Moore, Meryl Streep, Allison Janney, John. Oh yeah, C. Allison Riley. Janney. I forgot about Allison Janney. Allison Janney has nothing to do. Yeah. I, and this was like West Wing era. Allison Janney. Everyone knew she could act. Yeah. Well, so wait, what year did the West Wing start? 1999. Oh, okay. Maybe they cast her before the West Wing blew up. It could be, yeah. Because remember, also the first season of the West Wing, they were trying to sell us that other lady. Oh yeah, Mandy. Yeah. The the woman mm-hmm. who is the voice of Nala in mm-hmm. The Lion King. Shut up. Yeah. No. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. She's so charming in The Lion King. Yeah. It's weird when you keep finding out how the whole cast of The Lion King is, is white. Yes. But it should not still be surprising me, but it is. But she is deeply unlikable in The West Wing. I feel bad, but it's true. It's I don't true. know what happened. There's a whole term for people who disappear from The West Wing with no explanation that is named after her. And yes. So they went off to Mandyville. Uh, yeah. Well, but it's like they had to disappear her because she was sinking their show yeah and i i don't i feel bad saying that about because i feel like things like that are rarely an actor's fault yeah i don't i don't think it was her fault i think it's just a poorly written character yeah i don't know and they didn't know what to give her we did all that because the movie the hours has a fantastic cast Cast. the movie is an interesting meditation on mrs dalloway and is in some ways a retelling of mrs dalloway there's three timelines and one of them is virginia wolf and the other two are not and they each sort of draw on different parts of the book and sort of pull at different themes from the book even the one so in the virginia wolf one she is writing mrs dalloway or starting it but like i feel like that's not the only mrs dalloway thing that's going on in like it's it's also all in one day. There's also like discussion of like what it means to participate in society and mm-hmm. maintaining social relationships is like a big part of the book, and that's part of what we see. Even though she doesn't say like, hmm, I, "Let me put this in the book now that yeah. now that this has happened to me today, I will transcribe it down." It's like I th- I think it's pretty clever how it's all spun out so yeah so go watch the hours it is a little slow i remembered it being longer than two hours apparently it is two hours oh yeah it's but like it an hour did 55. St- even when you told me that it, it's i enjoyed it. it's good yeah it feels sometimes like it's almost like trying to be slow i mean it, it it's like is. it like lingers there's like a lot of lingering and sometimes it's effective. Yeah. You know, I was just saying earlier, I liked I guess watching Virginia Woolf. I just liked watching her wheels turn. Yeah. But yeah, I didn't super need to watch like Julianne Moore's wheels turn. And that's not a dig on Julianne Moore. It's just the the timeline that her character's in. Is Honestly, this, I really like her. But revisiting it, I, I don't think it's her strongest no. work. I don't think so. If and honestly, I not... don't think it's Meryl Streep's strongest either, even though like no. Meryl Streep is like Taylor Swift. It's never bad. It's just a question of, is it amazing or okay, is it Okay, I'm going to get in trouble here, but I, I don't think she's as infallible as people talk about her. I think sometimes she pushes. I think sometimes she's pushing. And this movie is maybe one of those times. And I think sometimes she's... What people are talking about, about her being like such a vir- virtuoso and like so good at acting, I just feel like sometimes what I'm watching is very good acting instead of just believing that what's happening is happening. You know what I mean? Like some, yeah. I feel like I'm like I'm watching her like flex her acting muscles. And if somebody is really like, I don't think about that when I watch Nicole Kidman. I'm right. not like, oh, what great acting until later, until after the thing is over. I'm just like in the story with her. Anyone who was ever surprised that Nicole Kidman is good after the hours, like that is the cutoff for me. Because mm-hmm. I know that there was discussion after Big Little Lies. There, people were like, who is still surprised? There were like reviews of it that were like, oh, hey, Nicole Kidman's pretty good at acting. And women were yeah. like, who is still surprised by that? And to me, the cutoff was 18 years earlier at the hours. If you're still surprised after that, you are not paying attention. Right. 
Okay, so the interesting thing about the book that I think is reflective of Virginia Woolf's life is that there is some suggestion of like a teenage romance between Clarissa Dalloway and Sally Seaton. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Now let's talk about how how gay how and I'm using gay to uh, to mean queer. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> how unstraight. Unstraight, but like in the like bit in a big sense. Mm-hmm. Not just like not straight, but like queering the both the book and film are. So there is some suggestion in the book in some of the flashbacks about like all of the like secret time that Clarissa and Sally had when they were teenagers and like how Sally used to like run naked through the hallways yeah, and how like, like Clarissa thinks about that a lot. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. This like really like chaotic girl who like no one really knew what to do with and like she didn't always like follow the rules and she mm-hmm. wasn't always dainty and just like sh- showed up at her house and was like can I stay with you for a little while because that's yeah. something that used to happen amongst the aristocracy yeah she would like wear pants and read papa's books and yeah, leave and, like, them in the canoe smoke cigarettes <laughs> yeah exactly and if I'm not mistaken there is a recollection of them kissing that's true. Yes. Like there's a yes. full lesbian kiss. Yeah, but it's not it's not played as it's played pretty ambiguously in the book. Yeah, but how could it not be? Like I don't know. No, I mean it, like the kiss is unambiguous, but like the, pretty gay to me. It, it, yes. Yes. She doesn't spotlight it. She's not like yeah, and no, then I, we had this kiss. Yeah, how could you? It's 1920 whatever, but it's like it's like and all the fun times we had. Tee hee hee. Like that time we kissed. Tee hee hee. Well, and, and like, like and like wait, and what? like wasn't that odd and confusing? Like mm, female relationship. Like like the things girls get up to. Like right, ah, right. Like, and, <laughs> and then there's also a discussion of like, oh well, when Hugh kissed Sally and she was so angry about it, and <laughs> yeah. I'm like, mm, but mm. why was she mad? I mean, and first then, of all, consent. Sure. Secondly, yeah, yeah. I don't think she likes men. Yeah, it seems like whatever she's got going with the dude she married is like the very wealthy man is like her five enormous boys. Yeah, it, that's like it. It seems good enough. She seems to have really made lemonade with straight being, lemons, a, being at least bisexual in yes. an unforgiving time. Um, but I was excited about that little storyline because I remembered from the hours because I was a little gay kid that it had all this gay stuff in it. And I was like, but like little gay me was like, are you just being trendy the hours? Are mm-hmm. you being trendy? Which is like so weird to think that I thought that in 2001 because we're having that discussion like now. I mean, you thought that about Mulholland things. Drive, which came out at the same time. Yes, and well, you no, back but then. okay, but they did. But yes, they came out at the same time and they both had this. Okay, the hours didn't feel like exploitative so no. much or like queer baiting but it did feel like for a while there it was like this is how you win an oscar you make it a mm. little bit gay mm-hmm. it felt like this story will be more serious if it's more gay yeah and i felt like that's why they were like throwing that shit in i thought they were just trying to be like avant-garde sure mulholland drive i thought was trying to be saucy but the hours i thought was trying to be like like flavor forward mm-hmm. but no it's in the book it's in the book <laughs> to the point where it would have felt like it was doing a disservice to the story to not acknowledge that. Yes, absolutely. And it's acknowledged in like ways that are, I think, very era appropriate. Yeah. What I found interesting was that it does not seem like Virginia Woolf is hiding her bisexuality from anyone in her life. No. She fully kisses Miranda Richardson on the mouth very hard. And there are multiple children watching who are yeah. like, oh, mom, get in the carriage. Yeah. Like, I never got the sense that her husband, played by Stannis Baratheon. Stephen Delane. That's his real name. <laughs> yes, his real name, Stannis Baratheon. Stephen Delane. I did not get the sense that he was, like, ignorant of this. I think he, like, at some Wait, is that, was... I'm sorry, is that the cups you have that I make fun of you about? Is the Baratheon cup? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just checking. Well, look, ours is the fury in this house. Uh, <laughs> no, it's cool. The antlers are cool. The antlers are cool. I understand it was an early bet, but it's like it was an early bet. And honestly, it's you could because... have had, you could have Stark cups right now. You yeah. could have Stark cups. If we're being completely technical, it's because it was really hard to get our hands on Martell cups. So like, sure, had to go with Baratheon. <laughs> okay. Because yeah. the Martells didn't show up until season three. Right, right, right. So okay. Stannis Baratheon. No, no, yeah. So we're talking about how gay we're, we're talking about them being gay. The yeah. film and the and the then material. in 1950s, it's like much less acceptable. The yes, Julianne Moore storyline. Yeah, it's yes. way worse for her. And you pointed out that Tony Collette in that scene is acting like she's in a horror movie. 
Because yeah. she's doing the like Stepford thing. Yes, yes. Julianne Moore kisses her on the mouth, and then and then she like pretends she's like what? But it's like she's not even pretending. It's like it's like it's gone. Yeah. Now reflecting on like what Tony Collette's career has been, and like some of the places that she's like really drawn attention and excelled, I was like, oh, I think she's so good in it because because she's a scream queen. Yeah. <laughs> she's just doing horror movie stuff in a drama, and it's just like really working. Yeah. Yeah, it really was what the moment called for. Yes. Because, like, not only... It's, like, eerie. Yes, well, because she does that thing that's so creepy that they also do in Get Out, where she smiles while about to cry. Yes. And that is just such a, like, creepy thing. Yes. And that that storyline, I think it's appropriate that she is eerie because that is the storyline with the seaweed shot. Mm-hmm. I expected more magical realism from that film because that shot was in the preview and that's the only shot. Ta- that's the only thing. Yeah. It's a one-time thing, which is weird, but it is a beautiful shot. Yeah. And the conceit of it is sort of that in the past, Nicole Kidman is changing her mind about who in the book has to die. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, it looks like it's going to be Julianne Moore, but it's not. Yeah. Because I don't know if this is historically true, but originally her plan was for Mrs. Dalloway to die. Yeah. And then what I find interesting is in the movie, she says, I've decided who's going to die. And they say, who's going to die? And she says, the poet dies. Yeah. The visionary dies. Yes. And I was like, that is not what I would call Septimus. No. Like that's, it just is really interesting to me because Septimus is a war vet. But that to me is the movie saying that, that, that is Septimus her. is her. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I also think that Septimus is not just a good representation of mental illness in literature, but a really good representation of PTSD. Sure. Of like things set him off and then he just like spirals down a rabbit hole. But since you're in his head, you get to see like how it happens. Yeah. And it makes sense. Yeah. And then it all of a sudden switches to outside of him. And then you see other people be like, what, what's happening? Like, yeah. What, what are you talking about? You're talking to someone who's not here. And, like, you get the sense of, like, how weird that is for other people and how normal it is for him. Yeah. And so, like, as he gets worse, as the book goes on, like, you can understand how he gets to where he gets to. Yeah. Which is killing himself. Yeah. I did not feel like it was necessarily shared with Ed Harris's character in the movie. Like, when that happened, I was like, oh, because someone has to be Septimus Smith. Like, if you're going to retell Mrs. Dalloway, someone has to be Septimus Smith, and I guess it's him. Yeah, I don't, I, I think, I, I, I don't know, I think his whole deal just worked better on me than it did on you. I was a lot more out of the present day, present in the past now. Mm-hmm. I felt like that scene is where the money is. Like, the way it was interacting with the past and... The idea, the sort of like meta text idea of like someone has to be sacrificed to the story gods. Like Nicole Kidman understands that. The screenwriter understands that. Ed Harris understands that. Right. So did we finish talking about how gay it is? We did not. Thank you guys to anyone who listens and puts up with us. Anthony keeps showing me these like positive reviews and stuff. And I'm like, those are intrepid. (laughs) Like I do think that we have a lot to offer or I wouldn't be doing this. But I but I it it must be challenging sometimes. <laughs> and I want you to know that I I receive you and I appreciate you. The reason we say we're two queer millennials with ADHD, that's not just our brand, it is yeah, a warning. Yeah, we're two ADHD with queer millennialness. That's yes, that's true. <laughs> so, so with that in mind. The fifth, it's the middle timeline. We did that one. The 50s, it's not good to be gay. Yeah. Now, now it's, it's 2001. It's not great still. But it's Some still, of us are dying of AIDS. Yes. But if you are gay. a wealthy woman living on the upper side of Manhattan. Yeah. Probably West. Let's be real. I would, I would give them West. She's living with her partner. She's had a daughter through surrogacy. She being Meryl Streep. But Meryl Streep had this summer fling with Ed Harris before he was in a long relationship yes. with Jeff Daniels, who's also in this movie. Yes, and we have not mentioned. Scene. Yes. I think at the time I was like, I mean, this is the problem with like insufficient representation is that everything can't be everything. But now I appreciated that Meryl Streep's character was feeling some like she's just like not that enthused about her gay relationship. <laughs> she's yeah. just like she's got some reservations. Sure. 
And that's like part of what she spends the film wrestling with. And yeah, I just I, thought that was an interesting choice that she's like part of her thing. And I think it, it, it that it was an interesting reflection of the book. Oh, and and Allison Janney's character is named Sal, the yes. same thing as the chaotic girl from Mrs. Dalloway's mm-hmm. past. Yes, she's Sally. It's like this alternate history of like, what if they'd had a world where they mm-hmm. could have ended up together and neither of them ever had to go marry rich men and like take care of themselves and like make sure they stayed in the proper like strata of society or whatever yes because Um, ed harris's character is named richard which is the name of mrs dalloway's husband which i think is weird i think he should be named peter oh yeah for peter walsh yes yeah because that's her other like ex sure that has all this like fraught meaning but it's like it was it was like almost like too intense so they couldn't like Mm -hmm. make it like that's what it feels like to me Peter, who like d- can't really like get any get his feet under him emotionally, and is, yeah, like, always like, self sabotaging. Yeah, his yeah, yeah. It's like the expression of it is very different between the Ed Harris character and Peter in the book, but they do kind of have a similar problem of like just not really being able to fit themselves in too. Yeah, and they, I think, are in a similar function compared to their leading lady. Yes. What are we talking about? Alice and Janney. Okay. So it's like, what if they had ended up together? But then it's like, no, but it would, it would, it would have, that would have issues too. Mm-hmm. That would have, we would all still have questions. Yeah. About whether we married the right person. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And the thing that I found interesting about all the different timelines and the, the reason I say it is a bisexual movie and not a secret lesbian movie is it does feel like, yes, Meryl Streep does have reservations about Alice and Jenny, but she does like, like her. Oh yeah. You it, know, it's, it's not about her being a woman. Yeah. And, and it's also not about like, she's capital U unhappy in her relationship. It's just like, it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. She's just it, like having a, a, a moment. Yeah, existentially. Exactly. Yeah. And it's the same thing with, well, it's a similar thing with, Julianne Moore, where like John C. Riley plays this honestly pretty one-dimensional character, but like his one character trait is nice. He's very, very kind to his wife. I think Julianne Moore is gay. Yes, I do. I think I she do. is supposed to be gay. Yes, I think I so I think too. Meryl Streep's supposed to be bisexual. Ed Harris is bisexual. Virginia Woolf is definitely bisexual. But Julianne Moore is gay. But it's not like they don't fall into the like trope of oh, she's a secret lesbian, but she's married this horrible man. And it's the right. same thing in the book where like Mrs. Dalloway clearly cares so much for Sally Seton, but whenever she looks at Richard and they they barely interact directly, but they're often in the same room. And she's like, you know, Richard's a solid dude. Yeah. He's a really I did good, good. I did good. He's a nice guy. Like in all the flashbacks, she's like, he just is good. Like, yeah. He just seems like a good person. It the wrong choice. Yeah, it he just... doesn't. He's like always going to do right by me. He's always going to treat me well. Like yeah. he's going to take care of me and he's going to treat me like a person. Yeah, I think one of the things the, the book does really well is like expressing itchiness at something that should be good enough. Yeah. Everything is good enough and like is good enough, good enough. Yeah, exactly. Like that is, that's like really a question at the heart of the text to me is like, is it enough to be good enough? I think that's Virginia Woolf's whole problem is that it's not. And, you know, at some point it has to be. Right. Or you're going to put rocks rocks in your your pockets. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like, right. Like nothing is wrong. So what's wrong? Right. Exactly. But it's like, but I can see for her, for someone like her, it's like when you're always chasing the sublime yeah <laughs> and then it's like is good enough good enough i don't know i i got it and i think the, the movie conveys it that well yeah in a different package right and i think one of the big things that separates mrs dalloway from a book about the same thing from a similar perspective but by a man yeah sure all of the dwelling within a man's head yeah if this were a man writing the same story yeah and i'm speaking generally here because i'm sure there what often happens and what a lot of the books that are similar to this are wind up being is like oh you're not this like idealized human usually woman from my youth and like look at the chances that i missed it's not like mrs dalloway isn't like oh i should have gone to india with peter and then my life would be perfect right she's just like what would that have been 
Yeah. And I'm sad that I don't get to know. Yes. Uh, yes. There's this like melancholy over. Ju- it's like I, I live by a, a lot of Sondheim quotes and um, one of them is the choice may have been mistaken, but the choosing was not. But this is like the opposite of that. It's like the choice was none of these were bad options. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we're being real, Sally Seton would have been a bad option in at the time just because of whatever. Yeah. The issue is not the man she chose. It's the the longing and the melancholy of having had to choose and not getting to be all of the things that you could like reaching a certain age and being like, oh, I'm only one thing I could have been. Yes. And and I'm good at that thing. Mm -hmm. It's an okay thing to be a hostess. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Like I find a lot of uh, joy and fulfillment in doing that. But like there's so many other me's that had to die to get to this day. And that's a bummer right right but it's also not ever present it's just true yeah i feel like she just doesn't she being virginia wolf now like she doesn't dwell in that melancholy she'll like sit with it for a moment and be like but also the park is nice today yeah it's very it's very i this is only the second book of hers that i've read but both of them are like very they really move they don't sit in one thing but they do get like super serious and super heavy, mm-hmm. but like it never feels indulgent at all. Every time that happens, it feels logical and earned. Yes. And a lot of times that's not happening. And like the moments of levity and mundanity are given like just as much craft. Yes. And that's fun. Yeah, like when she finally throws the party and the prime minister shows up and no one really cares. Yeah. (laughs) And they're just like, oh, look at that fussy little man. Isn't that the prime minister? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I guess it is. All right, cool. Ah. How wonderful for Clarissa that he showed up at her party. Yeah. You know, like, no one really gives a shit. And like, that's a fun moment. Like, I feel like, (laughs) I know we talked about, we have talked about this. This is the thing. I think we should talk about this more often, whether we would like... I know we talked about it about Taylor Swift, like whether we would be friends with Taylor Swift if we met mm-hmm. her right now. I really feel like I would get along with Virginia Woolf. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like we would be pals. Yes, I agree. I think she would like me. Mm-hmm. I think we'd have great talks. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I think she'd probably get tired of me. I th- Someone that smart can't possibly... Everyone must get tiring to them at some point, right? Yeah, but maybe she'd appreciate the queer community building. Like, it, maybe sure, that's yeah, what yeah, was yeah. missing. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying like on a give in a given day. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Not like we'd have a a, a friend breakup and then it would get like awkward over text. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. But like, I could see her dismissing me. Right, or being like, "This has been a lovely chat, but I do need to sequester myself I, for the next seven hours to come up with five sentences." Yes, I do have something a lot more important than you to do. Right. Like I think that, but, but I feel like, I feel like we'd vibe. Yeah, no, I agree. And I feel similarly. Yeah. And honestly, also want to be friends with any like mad genius lady with a big nose. Yeah. Just like walking through life being yeah. like, I got a lot of thoughts. <laughs> yeah. 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 To also, uh, if we're going to start asking the question, mm-hmm. would we be friends with this person? We have to not only think about, do we like them? Do they but like would us? Would they like us? And I, I think Virginia Woolf would like me. I mean, it's, yeah. I, it's a bold statement, but I'm making it. I think Virginia Woolf would like me now. Okay. I don't <laughs> sure. know if she would like me even two years ago. Sure, 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 sure. I think she would like out me. Out okay. me is a little bit more chill at a party uh-huh. than yeah, okay. uh, not out me. Yeah. For reasons that I... That people understand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You've all met a closeted person at a party. You know the energy <laughs> that I used to bring. And honestly, still sometimes bring. It just, uh, it's, it's a process. Uh, okay, so that so that's covered. We're, we're friends with Virginia Woolf and that's, that's just factual mm-hmm. i'm not sure i don't think nicole kidman would like me i don't think i'm friends with nicole kidman no i don't think so either i think she's a, probably a pretty tough tough nut to crack probably although i don't know she's australian yeah, maybe or, she's down for a good yeah, yeah that's true mm. australians are bonkers yes notoriously crazy <laughs> yeah thank you to our australian listeners but y'all <laughs> no, you know you know I, yeah. I don't need to tell you you know yeah so it's i nice. should ask who is mrs dalloway for 
because I think the hours is for anyone who's read Mrs. Dalloway. So who is Mrs. Dalloway? Okay, or just anyone who wants a moody bisexual drama. Sure, yes. I think. I mean, I had not read Mrs. Dalloway when I saw it as a kid, and I enjoyed it. It's got a lot of great acting, and Mm -hmm. like, if you were painting the movie The Hours, you wouldn't use all the colors. (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's just kind of all like of a mood, and the mood is a little bit bleak. But yes. some people really like that. Like mm-hmm. when you're in the mood for like a brooding bisexual acting toward divorce, check out The Hours. It's a good movie. So well who's Mrs. Dalloway? For okay. Me? The book, it's short and it's good, but it's a little like hard. Yeah. It would have to be a pretty particular crowd to make me feel embarrassed that I hadn't read Mrs. Dalloway. I'm glad I did. This is our third book, but it is our first piece of old school canon literature like i think midnight's children is capital l literature and i think i know why the caged bird sings is too but they're much more recent books yeah and so it's like generationally they've just been in the canon for a lot less time than mrs dalloway mrs dalloway is 97 years old there are like i would say three generations that all understand this is just like one of the books you read quoting fingers yeah so it's got a different kind of cachet to it which means that you're also just like not gonna bring it up a lot like it's not gonna come up well and it's like i don't know when you think it's like everyone had to read different ones of those in high school and so it's like it doesn't really matter if you got a different one i had to read the great gatsby like at least two times Mm. i would never be like like if somebody else got assigned mrs dalloway instead of the Great Gatsby. I would I would never be like, you haven't read The Great Gatsby. So when I was in high school, I did not have to read any Virginia Woolf, but I did have to read James Joyce. I had to read Dubliners, and I had to read Portrait of the Artist as a Young Yikes. Man. And Portrait of the Artist as a Young Man makes me want to uh, put rocks in my pockets and walk into the Thames. <laughs> and when we were putting together the envelope for this podcast, I was like, we need to do Ulysses and you were like fuck you <laughs> like absolutely <laughs> not I think Good if you have read James <laughs> Joyce and you're like okay I want a modernist writer who's not gonna make me want to die yeah. with every page <laughs> Virginia Woolf is that for me because Mrs. Dalloway is in my head, even though I've never read Ulysses, it's just Ulysses, but actually good. I cannot stress to you how much you should read Orlando. And everyone, if there's anyone listening to this who has read it and has listened to you, they are screaming at their listening device right now that I'm right. And I'm not going to tell you why, because Mm -hmm. that would be no fun, but it's important that you do it. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> okay, I'm going to come at this the other way. Of the two I've read, I liked Orlando a little bit better, but I, I do, I feel like I'm probably going to read more, and I never say that about, like, an oldie-timey author. Like, if, like I read one Hemingway book, and I was like, that was very good, and I will probably never read another one, and it's not because it wasn't good. It's because it feels old and dead, and I yeah. don't need to. Like, I don't know, maybe if someone tells me one of them is, like, really special or something, I don't know, we probably honestly should do one of them. I think if you are a person who likes books, <laughs> mm-hmm. if you like books, if you do a lot of reading, I think you should try some Virginia Woolf. Even especially if you are like, I don't like oldie timey books. I don't like, I don't like when they're oldie timey like that. Yeah. Give her a try. There's a, a lot of the things that I don't like about oldie timey things are not going to be an issue. Just give it a go. Just give it a, give it a, give it a little tasty taste. It's just a little bit challenging mm-hmm. for the mind it's just a little like it asks a little bit of the reader but if you're someone who reads books that were written last year that do that go ahead and try it out yeah i think it's not gonna it's not gonna feel as old and dead it just feels a lot more like relevant to my life than other oldie timey things probably partly because she's a woman probably partly because she's got gay yeah <laughs> But also Um, because she writes so much about interiority and, like, what's going on inside your head. Like, Mrs. Dalloway is not about, quotey fingers, planning a party in the 20s. Like, it is, but, like, the whole fun of the movie The Hours is you could set that at any time. Yes. And, like, you'd have to change the relationships a little bit, but the themes of the story would be the same. Yeah. And the way that she talks about it doesn't feel like, Oh, yes, a thousand people have said this since 
mm-hmm. and better and like more beautifully or more succinctly like they have not yeah people still read her for a reason yeah because she's j- still the one who's who said it best right some sometimes someone is popular because they are that good yes and i think that it <laughs> taylor is taylor swift taylor swift honestly honestly <laughs> I don't think it's an accident that we brought up Taylor Swift a couple of times. I know that we bring her up a couple of times in almost all the episodes, but it's like, is that what we, is she, what we get for Virginia Woolf? Is she the Virginia Woolf of millennials? I I understand why you're saying that. Think about it for a second. I would never have said that before the COVID albums. I don't know. Maybe not the Virginia Woolf. (laughs) Virginia Woolf feels like a stretch. Yeah. (laughs) uh, Because Virginia Woolf has never written anything in 20 minutes. Well, yes, that's true. I would say she has been popular for so long. And just think about what it takes for a female author to still be popular for multiple works. Yes. A hundred years after they were written. Yes. There's a reason. And the reason is- Think about what it takes to fucking get published at the time. Like, I think in reading this book, we had a talk in our household about how rarely the word genius is used for women. It's like, for some reason, a gendered word when it's like, but why? Like, and people don't think that it is, but it is. To live in the collective consciousness as like a pillar of great and like serious writing for this amount of time, like unchallenged, like nobody mm-hmm. tries to be like, well, oh, that stuff's a little fluffy. Yeah. Or like people Nobody's... do, but you don't want to know those people. Does anyone say that? Does literally I mean, in the same way that like people say talk shit on Taylor Swift and it's just like, yeah, go fuck yourself. Yeah, but... It's pretty provable. Like I'm sure some academic somewhere in the last 90 years has it's made been it... like Virginia Woolf is overrated. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, but Taylor Swift like does encase her wisdom in some fluff sometimes. Sure. But you'd have to be an aggressively misogynist fool to try to come for Virginia Woolf, I think. Yeah. And to that point, if someone came up to you and wanted to talk to you about Mrs. Dalloway at a party, oh, how would you feel? Great. I agree. Uh, I told you this off mic, but when I was doing my summer abroad in Scotland, uh-huh. one of the teachers for that was a Virginia Woolf scholar and he was probably a few years older than we are now and I just remember him being just like such an effortless like man of quality sure like everyone loved him he was really great and like thoughtful and sensitive and so I think if especially a man I think it's an indication of taste for anyone but if if a man is like I unironically love Virginia Woolf yeah. That is a person that I know I can be friends with. Yeah. Because that person is just like thinking in the same ways that I want my friends to be thinking. I think it will also depend a lot on how they come at me with it. Like, right. And we've sure. talked about this a few times of like the difference between like, oh, I read that and it was very well written. And oh, yeah, I read that. And you know what? <laughs> I think it was very well written. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Those are two different I people. am so happy to bestow my male approval yeah. on woman author Virginia Woolf. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that she really needed it. Right. Exactly. Like, that's a different, yeah. that's a different thing. That's a different worse thing. What a treat for Virginia Woolf. Yeah. That she gets today. It's the day she's been waiting for. The approval of me. The day that Dan. I have chosen. Yeah. Dan Stevens. Yeah. I have a person in mind. Oh, <laughs> yes. Who I once scolded with because he was trying to say to me that he like felt so bad for not liking like a woman thing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, oh my God, what a terrible, like what a terrible curse you've put upon her that she does not have your permission and approval mm. to continue to do the thing that she does. We're not friends now. Yeah. (laughs) Is this book in your curriculum? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I would put it in the Lady Auteurs. It'd be our first book in the Lady Auteurs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Clearly, clearly, clearly. Definitely. Violent Femmes. Violent Femmes. Also, Women Creating Men, a class Mm -hmm. that I am now glad that I created for Taylor Swift. (laughs) Okay, great, 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 great. Kind of what is love, kind of. A little bit, a little bit. Okay, let me think about, because you know I love just like inventing things on the fly. I I feel like, I'm amazed actually that we don't have a thing, like a class already that is about like reflection on mental illness. 
well, we haven't really had that much stuff about it. Yeah. This is the class I would put this in. Yeah, I, I think that's a very fair place for it. So, I guess we have reached the end of our episode. Yes, I think. Yes. Um, please continue to like and review. Oh my God, and... wait. I know we're sweaty, but we have to talk about that picture. Oh, that someone yes. someone drew Okay, us. so fellow book podcast Unsighted on Twitter the other day was saying, hey, if you send us your latest episode, I will draw what I think you two <laughs> sound like yeah. based on your vibe. Yeah. And okay, so the only explanation for this picture to me is that this person thinks that you are a woman in her 30s. <laughs> well, I think... A, a straight girl in her 30s. <laughs> oh, I see. I, I can see why you said it. The way, <laughs> the way I describe it is she has gotten closer than you would think because sure. I look like you... And you look like your ex-girlfriend, Amy. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think we will or share we this could, on our Or Twitter. we could say, that's no, that is me. And it's perfectly accurate. Yes. And the other one is you, Amy. <laughs> you are Amy. <laughs> She's caught my, well, oof, ouch. In this picture. No. No, no, um, no. I, I, I know. I'm doing uh, teasing to promote intimacy. Yeah. But I, I understand. We're being nice now because my cat lost a foot. Oh, yeah. We haven't talked about that on air. <laughs> Yeah. My cat lost a foot, and now I'm being nice to my ex-girlfriend because mm. it was her cat, too. Yeah. It is a very flattering picture. It is the yes. first fan art that I've yes. ever had no, of thank myself. You so I love it so much. It. And, and, and I, I do believe that it's that something about our energy, like like the fact that one of us is one of us. Yeah. So I wear, I wear more mesh than you. I do not own mesh, and that is a conscious choice. Sure, yeah. I own a lot of mesh. I really own, I don't bust it out all the time. My on like particular a brand of body image issues just does not lead me to be a fan of mesh shirts. Sure. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, most yeah. of my body image issues have to do with what's going on with my torso. So <laughs> okay, like mesh shirts. Keep it. Yeah. Keep it. Keep it in. Yeah, exactly. Keep it. Keep it tucked. Yeah. That's why I'm so happy yeah. about my new swimsuit. I feel like my, a lot of my body image issues have to do with my skin sure <laughs> being just too pale and like not like i don't even freckle i mm -hmm. just fry right so like put a little mesh over that and it's like all of a sudden now it's like fun yeah <laughs> now it's fun that you're so pale like put, yeah. it, put it in the black light i have had more than one person say to my face that even when they are expecting me when i arrive they're like ah so pale <laughs> they like don't even like see my face they're like what how did that person get so pale? And then they remember that they're expecting someone this pale and it's huh. me. Yeah. Like it's hard for me to find makeup. Like I don't have a highlighter that like my foundation is highlighter. Right. Okay. Anyway. That's so, enough of that. Yeah. So we hate ourselves, but we love this drawing. Yes. And you should leave a review and follow us on all our thingy. Doodles. Yes. You are what on TikTok? At Trash Analysis. I am at Anxious Archfey on TikTok and on Twitter. You can find the show on Twitter at Sophisticate Pod. We will catch you again next time. Until then, good night and good luck. Brrr.